Well, good morning. Welcome home and welcome to Pitnaz. It is good to see all of you today. Been gone the last couple weeks and I had some good time off with my family, but it's always good to be back, right? Always good to, to see you guys. Um, Kai, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, uh, Kyle, our Pastor Kyle is our lead pastor. He's been on sabbatical all summer, um, just spending some time sort of dis- disconnected and unplugged to s- just seek God's face and spend time with his family. And he's going to be back with us next Sunday. So we are excited about that. Um, I, I don't mind telling you, the staff, we're all, we're all a little nervous, to be honest with you. I got a feeling knowing Kyle, it's going to be like drinking through a fire hose. But um, we're excited, so be in prayer for him as, as he starts back this week. But uh, I want to start this morning with a, a verse from Proverbs that says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I love that verse. It makes me think of uh, some people who have played a significant part in my walk with God over the years. When I think about the significant um, milestones in my relationship with God, there are certain people that automatically come to mind. And one of the first groups of people that comes to mind is my old youth group from the Nazarene Church in Georgetown, Texas. This, I think, was on a trip to the Grand, on a mission trip. We also stopped at the Grand Canyon. And so this group was just this phenomenal youth group that God used to, to bring me to a place of recognizing that I needed Jesus in my life. And, and this group played such a significant role in, in my early development as a believer. And then uh, after that, you know, throughout high school, I had this group of probably 8 or 10, 12 friends that were all Christians, and we all loved Jesus, and we all mostly kept each other out of trouble. And uh, these are a few of the, few of the guys there. Uh, I think we were fighting over the last piece of pie that my mom had made. Um, that was when I had hair and about 0.1% body fat. Um, and, and so, you know, I went through high school, I had these, these friends, and then I got to college in Columbia, Missouri, and I spent some time running from God and, and doubting God and questioning God. And, um, and somewhere in there, I, I met this girl, it wasn't Sarah, don't be distracted by that, uh, this was before I met Sarah, but I met this girl, and at first we were, we were kind of dating, and, you know, we thought that we had, we had met each other for, for romantic purposes, Right. But we, we figured out pretty soon that actually God had brought us into each other's lives to encourage each other to get our lives back right with God. And he used both of us to encourage each other and help each other return to a call to ministry that he had placed on both of our lives early, early on. So God used her in a big way. And, and, then he, and then he shipped her off somewhere else. And then six months later, I met Sarah. So, but she played this significant role in that. And so all along the way, when I think about these significant times in my life, God has always placed people in my life to help accomplish in me what he wanted to accomplish. And that, that continues even today where God has placed me on staff here at Pitnaz with this great group of pastors and staff. And uh, here are a few of them right there. And I want to point out that Brian is trying to pour a steaming hot cup of coffee on my head. He is trying to injure me, let the record show. Here's my point. Of course there have been times when I've been lonely. And of course there have been times when I have felt alone in my walk with Christ. 
But God has always placed people in my life to encourage me and to challenge me and to teach me and to hold me accountable. And you know why God has done that? Because he calls us to be a community of believers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Over the last couple of weeks, Age and Garrett have both preached some fantastic messages. Two weeks ago, Pastor Age talked about how Jesus redefined family for us. And, and Jesus basically said, you know, family doesn't just include your biology and your DNA. It reaches beyond that. That anybody who follows Christ is also your family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And then last week, Garrett talked about some of the benefits of being part of God's family. And he basically wrapped up that series called Messy Family by, by saying that, you know what, no matter what your biological family looks like, God calls you, he calls all of us to be part of a greater, larger family. And so the message today isn't really intended to be part of that series, but we're going to piggyback on that series, and we're going to piggyback on what Age and Garrett have talked about the last two weeks, and uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. If you want to open your, your Bible or your Bible app to that passage, it's in the New Testament. This is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. It's the first of several summary statements that Luke gives us about just sort of the state of the church in that first generation of the church. And it paints a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. It paints a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to look like. And so these people who were following Christ in this first generation, they were just doing, they were just spirit-filled Christians doing what should come naturally to spirit-filled Christians. And here's what Luke writes. Here's what he tells us about that early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. So the church is supposed to have, there's supposed to be a teaching element. We're supposed to teach each other, right? But there's also fellowship to it. Fellowship is about um, building those relationships with each other and hanging out together. And it says they enjoyed fellowship. They broke bread together. That's probably a reference to having communion and sharing the Lord's Supper together. They devoted themselves to prayer. These are all things. These are all elements of what the church should look like. And these are all things that we should do when we gather together. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Do you believe that God still does miracles today? Yes, I hope so. Yes, he does. He continues, all the believers were what? Together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Giving generosity is supposed to be a hallmark, a characteristic of the church says, every day they continued to meet how? Together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Age talked a couple weeks ago about offering hospitality to each other. That was a hallmark of the early church. And they did it with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And as they were doing all of this and incorporating all of these elements, as the Holy Spirit led them, as the church was being founded and started and launched, then what was the result of that, Luke tells us? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to look like. Well, as we think about that passage, there are a couple things that, that come to my mind, a couple characteristics that, 
uh, that I want to point out today. And so the first thing that I see in that passage is that there's no room for the Lone Ranger. You remember the Lone Ranger, right? was just fantastic in this show, right? A fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver. The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. You remember that, right? Some of you do. Some of you are saying, what's that? I've never seen that before in my life. Um, the, the, the Lone Ranger, it was, it was this story about these six Texas Rangers who were ambushed by outlaws, and one of them was left barely alive. And so this Indian named Tonto comes across the scene. He finds this Lone Ranger, the one who had survived. He nurses him back to health, and this Ranger continues to fight crime and, and find the bad guys and the outlaws disguised as the Lone Ranger because he was the only one who survived this attack. And so today we often use the phrase lone ranger to describe somebody who just does things alone, who doesn't need help from anybody, which is kind of ironic because even the lone ranger had Tonto, right? But that's how we kind of use that phrase today. It's, you know, if somebody who just, they do things alone, they, they don't want any help from anybody, they do things as the lone ranger. Sometimes we use that phrase. What I'm asking this morning is, did God ever intend for us to follow him as the lone ranger? Did God ever intend for us to just follow him as individuals, to figure things out on our own? See, we live in a culture that prizes the individual over community, right? We celebrate our, our heroes are usually, especially traditionally, our heroes are the people who are strong and tough and they don't need anybody. I can do this myself. I don't need you. And let's be honest, men, we're especially vulnerable to that, I think, aren't we? I don't need anybody. I'm strong. I'm tough. I am the lone ranger. Unfortunately, in the church, we've allowed our culture to influence us in this regard. Because in a lot of ways, we've sort of turned salvation into just this individual thing. It's just Jesus and me. It's none of your business. It's it's just Jesus and me. We're going to hold hands and we're going to walk through the daisies together. But is that really a picture of following Christ? Is that a picture that comes through in this passage that we read? Francis Chan puts it this way. He says, while every individual needs to obey Jesus' call to follow, we cannot follow as Jesus. We cannot follow Jesus as individuals. In other words, nobody can make the choice for you. Following Jesus is an individual thing in the sense that no one, I mean, you have to make the choice for yourself. God, God will place people in your life who will influence you and hopefully point you in that direction. But ultimately, you and I all have to make the choice as individuals as to whether we're going to follow Jesus. But when you make that choice, God doesn't suddenly take all those people away and say, okay, you go figure it out. No, he gives us the gift of each other. And so, yes, we decide as individuals to follow Jesus, but we don't continue to follow him as individuals. In fact, in a stronger statement, I think maybe I've shared these quotes with you before. They're some of my favorite quotes about the church. In another statement, Chan writes this. He says, we can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect 
the church he created and the church he died for and the church that he entrusted his mission to. Oh, snap. Those are some strong words, aren't they? He says we can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect the church because he created the church. He died for the church. He calls us all to be part of the church. And we see these statements even reflected in our passage in Acts. In fact, there are no less than 12 plural references in those six verses from Acts that we just read. Twelve plural references. The word together is there three times in the NIV. The word they or there is there seven times. There are a few other places. Twelve times in six verses. Luke is not talking about just Jesus and you. He's talking about We and us, plural. See, I believe that people in our culture today are longing for the kind of connection to people that we see in that passage of Scripture. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give our culture today, short of the gospel message itself, is actually the gift of the church, the gift of a healthy church. The gift of that togetherness that God calls us to. And so if we're going to do that, if we're going to offer people the church, then we need to know what the church is. We need to be sure that we have it straight in our minds what exactly the church is. So first, let's talk about what the church is not. The church is not a building. We refer to this building as a church. But that would have been a completely foreign concept to Luke's audience in Acts. Because the church really isn't a building. The church is people. It's a group of people. It's the family of God. This building, yes, it's set apart for a special purpose and we need to take care of it. But in the end, this building is just a resource that God has given to the real church, which is people. The church is not a social club. Yes, there's something social that happens as we build relationships with each other. But that's not our primary purpose. The church is not a series of Christian programs and events. It's more than that. But the fourth thing that the church is not, church is not an option. It's not an option. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up Meeting together. And another quote, this is another oh snap quote from Francis Chan. This is an even bigger oh snap. He says, if you are not connected with other Christians, serving and being served, challenging and being challenged, then you are not living as he desires and the church is not functioning as he intended. As I say to my sons sometimes, oh snap. That's, that's hard stuff, man. But you know what? He's right. He's right. God's intention, God's desire for us, for those who call themselves by his name, it's not that they would just follow him individually, but that they would follow him as a community of believers. So the church is not an option. So what is it then? Well, We've kind of seen in our passage of in Acts what it is, right? Kind of inspired by that passage, 
Chan writes this, the last quote from Francis Chan. The church, this is my favorite definition, I think, of the church. The church is a group of redeemed people that live and serve together in such a way that their lives and communities are transformed. I love that. I love that. And did you catch that last part? Where their lives and communities are transformed. The church is supposed to be a vehicle of transformation. We've been singing about it all morning. Change me, God, from the inside out, change me. In fact, there's a, a great passage in the Old Testament that talks about that. It says, I will give you a new heart. This is God speaking. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We need to understand that, quote, getting saved isn't just about punching your ticket to heaven. Garrett talked about that a little bit last week. Getting saved, becoming a Christian, following Jesus, it's not just about punching your ticket to heaven. It's about allowing him to transform your heart from the inside out, as we sang about earlier, as you participate in the life of the church, which is the body of Christ. In other words, God uses me to bring about transformation in you, and he uses you to bring about transformation in me, and together, you know what we do? We reach the world for Christ. That's the church, and that's what God calls us to, and we do all of that as the Lone Ranger? No, we do all of that together. Say that word with me, together. Kyle's going to be back next week, so I've got to get you back in the habit of repeating after what he says, right? <laughs> together. We do that all together. So what do we do with this? What should we do with this? Well, it kind of depends on, kind of depends on where you're at. So let me just talk about several groups of people who might be joining us today. First thing you might need to do is just go to church. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir to most of you because you're a church, (laughs) but maybe there's somebody here today and maybe you've never been to church or you haven't been to church in a long time and you just, maybe you don't even know why you're here. Maybe you're watching online right now and you're enjoying that resource. And by the way, that is an awesome resource that we have. Steve, our media and tech guy, has done some great work to provide a quality resource where you can watch our services online. But if you're watching online, I want you to hear me when I say that this resource was never intended to substitute what happens when we gather together as a church family. Because we need each other. And even as I say that, I I understand that there are a lot of people who have been wounded by the church. And, And maybe you're watching online and it was all you could do just to log on and watch this because of hurt that you've experienced in the church. Maybe you're here today, and it was all you could do to just show up here for this one service because you've been deeply hurt by the church. And I want you to know, I sympathize with that. And we in the church family need to sympathize with that. I I was thinking of a story um, not too long ago. I was reminded of a time when a couple friends and I were eating at one of those Japanese steakhouses where they cooked the Dinner in front of you, hibachi grill, is that what they call that? 
And so we're gathered around this table, the three of us and some other people. This is a really gross story. I probably shouldn't have started this. We're, we're sitting there eating, and the guy's cooking the spaghetti noodles in front of us. And his mouth was open. And this little thing, this is really gross. This little string of spit fell out of his mouth into the noodles as he's cooking. And so he, he, he kept cooking. He dished it up on our plates. I'm sitting there thinking, it's been cooked. I ate about two or three bites and I couldn't do any more. I couldn't. Call me weak. I don't care. The guy next to me, one of my friends, he, just scar- he saw it and he scarfed it down. He didn't care. The third guy didn't see it, and when we told him about it afterwards, he got mad at us, which made it even funnier. <laughs> it was a long time before I could go back to that restaurant again. Sometimes we in the church need to remember that some people have had some really, really bad experiences with church. And we need to be patient. And we need to let God work on their hearts in his time. And so if that's you watching online or that's you here today and you've been hurt and you have just tried to stay away as much as you can, I'm sympathetic to that. But you also need to know, I did eventually go back. And that didn't keep me from going to other similar restaurants. And so if you're in that boat, watching online or here in this room, and it's all you could do just to do that much today, I celebrate that you're here. I am so glad that you logged on and you're watching today. And I applaud you for that. But I also want you to know that my prayer for you is that you will experience God's healing and God's grace and the forgiveness of him that can flow through you to those who hurt you. My prayer is that you will experience that to the degree that you can one day, when you're ready, plug into a church family, whether that's here or somewhere else. Because it's so important to go to church Well, most of you obviously do go to church. That's why you're here. Maybe you just need to come more often. Maybe for you the next step is to say, you know what? I'm going to make church a bigger priority in my life. We talked about priorities a few weeks ago. Remember we said that that priorities aren't things that you have. They're choices that you make. And so maybe for you the next step for, for enjoying the togetherness of God's family is to say, I need to be there more often. I'm too sporadic. I'm going to make it a priority for me. I'm going to make a, a priority for my family. And sometimes I hear people say, well, I can praise God in a deer stand. I can praise God at the lake. I can praise God sitting at home, you know, watching something on the TV or or on my laptop. And that's true. You can praise God in all of those places. And you should praise God in all of those places. You should be able to praise God anywhere you are. 
The problem is there's just enough truth in that statement to be dangerous. Because if the only time that you worship God is when you're alone, then you are missing one of the most important foundational dynamics of following God, and that is the togetherness that he calls us to be a part of. So maybe for you it just means being here more regularly. Or maybe you are here all the time. You're here every time the church door opens, but maybe for you the next step is to join a small group. You've heard me say before, you'll hear me say many times again, that there's a, there's a dynamic that happens in this room, in this sanctuary as we gather together that doesn't happen in small groups. So being here is important. But there's also something that happens in small groups that doesn't happen in this room. So being part of a small group is also important. And to fully enjoy the togetherness that God calls us to and that God, that God has for us, we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of both. And so starting today and through the month of August, we're going to give you some opportunities to at least look into, if not join a small group. On Sunday, August 19th, I should have had this on, on a slide Uh, On Sunday, August 19th, after the third service, we're going to have some food. We're going to feed you. We're going to talk to you about small groups. If you have any questions, if you're even remotely interested in being part of a small group, then we're going to talk about it then, and we're going to share with you how you can become a part of that. There's also a sign-up sheet behind the information desk in the lobby right now where you can sign up if you want to be part of one. I think we'll have that online in the next week or two as well. But take advantage of being part of a small group. In fact, here are some options that we have. Um, Yes, this is a shameless plug because I'm the discipleship pastor and I'm putting in this shameless plug for groups. But in addition to our Sunday evening groups that will be starting up here about the time school starts, uh, we also have Sunday school, Sunday morning Bible studies at 10 o'clock right during this service. You can either go to early service or late service, and then you can be part of a small group during this hour at 10 o'clock. We have groups for all ages. We also have a Sunday evening group that meets at 6 o'clock. They sit right over here. They sing some hymns. They have prayer time, and they have Bible study time. We have a Wednesday morning ladies' Bible study at 9 a.m. We have a widow's support group that meets the first Saturday of the month. We have a couple of different men's groups that started meeting this past year during the school year. We have a women's walking slash running slash Bible study group. Basically how that works, it goes, it's on Wednesday nights during the school year. Um, when the weather is good, they meet here at the church. Those who want to walk, walk around the neighborhood for exercise. Those who want to run, run around the neighborhood for exercise. They meet back here, and they pray together, and they have fellowship. And then when winter comes, and they don't want to be out there in the snow and cold, and I don't blame them, then they have a Bible study. We have our, we have a, there's a traditional Bible study and prayer time that meets on Wednesdays at 6.30. We have a singles mom group. A single moms group that meets on Wednesdays through the school year. We have periodic finance classes and marriage classes, and we have divorce care offered from time to time. And so we have the homestead that offers different options for college students. My point is, folks, we have all kinds of opportunities for you to be part of a smaller group of believers, because remember, there's something that happens in those smaller groups that doesn't happen in here. And if you want to experience the togetherness that we're talking about today, you need to experience both dynamics. So maybe you're already part of a small group. Maybe the next step for you is to lead a small group. 
Is God calling you? Could God be calling you to lead a small group? Because here's the thing, we need more groups, especially those Sunday evening groups and our Sunday morning 10 o'clock groups. We need more groups, but to have more groups, we got to have more leaders and we have to have more hosts. A host is just somebody who says, you're welcome to meet in my home once a week or once every other week. You don't have to lead it, but, but you host it in your home. We need both. And you can sign up for that too. If you're interested in leading or hosting on the same sign-up sheet that's in the foyer, you can sign up to do one of those things as well. Because here's the thing. We need our groups to have a missional mindset. Say, what does that mean? Here's what we mean by that. We need to think not in terms of how can we protect what we have and instead think in terms of how can we share with more people what we have. Because I think a lot of times people don't want to leave their group because they love their group. And they've built relationships with these people and they enjoy going and that's awesome. That's supposed to function that way. But maybe God, he may be calling some of you to say, you know what? I really enjoy this small group that I'm a part of. But instead of protecting that, I'm going to sacrifice that and I'm going to go start a different group. And I'm going to take the good things about this group. And I'm going to start one over here so more people can be a part of it. That's the mindset that we want to develop in our small groups. A missional mindset. And by the way, if your biggest objection to leading a group is that, well, I'm not really a teacher and I don't really have time to uh, put a lesson together every week. Man, we've, last year we started putting together a resource, a video curriculum. It sort of coincides with what Kyle preaches on Sunday mornings and then we furnish you a video that you can show, and, and the questions are right there on the screen. You just pause and play as you need to, and we did that in part to make it easy, easier on our group leaders. Could God be calling you to lead a group? So if you don't attend church, then work towards starting to attend church. If you, if you attend sporadically, maybe you need to make it a priority to, to be here more often. Or maybe you are here all the time. Maybe it's time to think about finding a small group to belong to. Or if you already belong to a small group, maybe it's time. Maybe God's calling you to step out and lead one. And if you're already leading one, then how can you develop a more missional mindset in yourself and in your group? What do you need to do to connect more deeply with the church family? I want to close with this. Um, last week, we were in Texas, went down to my, my high school reunion, spent some time with family, and the first couple of days, we dropped the boys off with my mom and dad so they could have some time away from me and old mom and dad who just say no to everything and uh, spend some time with grandma and grandpa, and then Sarah and I went away for a little getaway, just the two of us. We went to a place called Jefferson, Texas. How many of you have ever heard of Jefferson, Texas? A couple, one, two, I didn't think there'd be very many. Jefferson, Texas is near this lake called Caddo Lake. It's nestled in the piney woods of East Texas, and it's this hidden little gem. It's this awesome place. And the thing about Caddo Lake is it's kind of this lake slash swamp 
slash riverway. And the, the, the big characteristic of it is it is covered with millions and millions of cypress trees. You know, with the Spanish moss hanging down. And so there's all these channels that go through uh, all these cypress trees. And so Sarah and I booked a guide who took us out on his pontoon boat. And he showed us some really cool stuff. And he told us the rich history of this area. And it was really cool. But at one point, he told us, he told us something about the trees, these cypress trees. He pointed out this group of trees. You notice most of them are kind of, kind of off by themselves in the middle of the lake. He said, those trees can grow to be 20 to 30 feet high. That's really high, right? A basketball goal is 10 feet high. So those trees right there in the middle of the lake, kind of basically by themselves, they can grow two to three times the height of a basketball, basketball goal. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Then he pointed this out. The trees that are all clumped together and grow close to one another, they can grow to be 90 feet high. And he said the reason that they can grow to be 90 feet high is because they're so close together, they they sort of form this support system. And when heavy winds blow, the trees just kind of blow against each other and they help support each other. You get it, right? There's power, there's strength in growing together, folks. I don't want to be the Lone Ranger out in the middle of the lake. Yeah, I can grow that way, I guess. I want to be 90 feet tall, not 20 or 30. But I need you to be able to do that. And you need me. And we need each other support each other, to encourage each other, to challenge each other. We need the gift of the church. Solomon puts it this way. One may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There is strength in numbers. There is strength in the church family. What do you need to do to connect more deeply with the church family? Would you stand with us? As we continue to worship, if you'd like to come pray this morning, maybe I've said something that's kind of challenged you a little bit and you want to pray about it, about what steps you need to take to connect more deeply with the church. Maybe there's something else. Maybe, maybe you're already here all the time and you're already in a small group, but maybe God is saying to you, I, I, just, I want you to serve in some way. I want you to contribute some time and energy and resources in some way. What do you need to do today? What decisions do you need to make to, to connect more deeply with God's family? You know, when God created us, Solomon says he has set eternity in the hearts of men. What I think that means is that God has wired us for relationship with him. But God has also wired us for relationship with each other. We need each other. 
And I know no church is perfect. We're not perfect. Uh, the whole series this summer has been, you know, messy family. And we've said that every family has some level of dysfunction. Well, a church is a family. And so every church has some level of dysfunction. But I still say a healthy church is one of the greatest gifts that God gives to any of us. You need me, and I need you. What do you need to do to connect more deeply with your church family? God, we thank you for your grace and your love in our lives. We do thank you today for the gift of the church, the gift of each other. And God, we do ask your forgiveness when when we get things wrong or... Lord, for those who have been hurt by the church, Lord, I ask your forgiveness for that. On behalf of the church that may have hurt that individual, God, I want to say I'm sorry. you work healing in that person's life. Show us all how we can be connected more deeply with one another. How we can enjoy the gift of togetherness that you've given us. We love you, God. We trust you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed, blessed day.